Welcome everyone to this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Juzak, joined as always by my co-host and wife, Acronym. Let's go. Yeah, you gotta say, it's an audio format, you gotta say things. Yeah. So people know you're there. Yeah, okay. yeah I'm here. I'm here. There was a pause. I just paused because I went... It, well, I, I, I remind you because you do the video portion of the... Yeah. And then I do the audio portion, so I was uh, just making sure you're... No, I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not that dumb. <laughs> Did you have your coffee yet today? Yeah, there it is, right there. It's right here. All right. I'm just making sure you're, you know, on top of things. You're caffeinated. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. For, uh, for the show, which is going to be, it's going to be a long one this week. Cause... Yeah, we kind of went a little over, but like... It made sense to go over. So it's a good conversation. You might you might need to like do two parters of listening or, you know, find a task you really need to yeah. sit down and do. If you gotta dip out and put us on pause so you could come back tomorrow and finish the podcast, we'll wait for you. Yeah. It's fine. We don't mind. Exactly. We'll sit there in your podcasting uh um your podcasting app. It reminds and, uh, me of that Daria scene where the guys were like Hey, oh, you know, where have you been all our lives? And she's like, we were born in this room. We were waiting in this room. And now that you're here, our lives are finally ready to begin. <laughs> we'll just hang out in your podcast app and uh, play Pokemon uh, Unite on our Switches mm-hmm. while we wait for you to come back. Yep. But before we get there, as always, it's time for halitosis. I mean, headlines. I don't even know what halitosis is. It's a throat thing. Okay. It's it's a disease. It's okay. <laughs> and that's what came to mind. That's what it was. It yeah. starts with ah, so, you know. Ah. Um, kicking off this week of headlines uh, with the big news as far as professional wrestling is concerned that uh, Tony Khan has been forced to fire CM Punk from All Elite Wrestling uh, as of this past Saturday, which was the day before their Chicago all-out pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, it was announced on Twitter through a official um, statement. And then before their Saturday Night Show collision, Tony Khan appeared on screen looking like the poor guy wanted to cry. Yeah, he, he looked sort of awkward and sad. And yeah. he's already kind of an awkward person to be in with. So right. It was even more awkward and sad. It's For him, it's probably one of those, like, don't meet your hero situations where yeah. he was probably just as big a CM Punk fan as all of us, but then, like, he got to work with him for a year or so. I was like, oh, I get it. Yep, now I understand. Well, and it's, you know, having to admit defeat in some area, too, because regardless of anything else, like, WWE has always been very like he's hard to work with and stuff and they do that to people that they get frustrated with nobody really takes it that seriously and they think that they're just doing it because that person person pushed back but I don't know Phil kind of made it very obvious why he doesn't play well with others he seems a little hard to work with for those that have been living under a rock this stems from a uh incident that happened the week before when All Elite Wrestling did their Wembley Stadium pay-per-view uh, during the pre-show. Uh, Jack Perry used real glass on a uh, spot that he had with Hook, which is something that weeks before uh, CM Punk had told him he was not allowed to do on the Saturday show, that uh, he couldn't use, he had to use fake glass, he couldn't use real glass. So he did it, and then he looked at Jack Perry, did the spot, and then looked at it in the camera, and it was like, cry me a river. 
Yeah. So when he got backstage, Punk got in his face and was like, do we have a problem? And then uh, there was a physical altercation, like apparently right in front of Tony Khan. Uh, apparently also to t- Tony Khan, at least from what I was reading, there was some incident of like, him screaming at Tony Khan in his face, yeah. I quit, I quit, and he's yelling, and he was kind of like swinging on him or something, knocks some stuff over. Right. And, you know, honestly, if you're a CEO and that's happening to you, like, and you're not, it, I feel like in certain situations, despite how much I don't like Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon would just swing on somebody back. Oh, he would? Tony Khan, not so much. Yeah. So um, Tony Khan probably was just like, I got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Just, Cannon, I can't do it anymore. Well, there's, he's like, there's been so many modifications and things that they've had to do to even make it. I mean, that's why you called it Saturday Night Baby Gate. Right. Because it was basically show for the people that could get along with CM Punk got to go to that show. The people that couldn't got to stay on the other ones. And then one of the people that thought they got along with CM Punk, Jack Perry suddenly didn't get along with CM Punk. Yep. It's one of those situations where um, you start to have to ask yourself, am I the problem? I sent you that screenshot of him, and it was a quote from 2021, him saying, like, if you've got a problem with Jungle Boy Jack Perry, like, it's probably you that's the problem. Right. And it's like, oh, that didn't age well at all. Yeah. So, well, despite that, the the all-out pay-per-view that uh, they did in Chicago, fantastic. Yeah. Two, two back-to-back weeks of banger pay-per-views, which I think lends itself to the fact that when AEW collected all the talent and we didn't see certain people on TV, we were like, this is too much. You got too many people kind of thing. And then you do something like two back-to-back pay-per-views and it gives you the opportunity to feature a whole bunch of people you normally wouldn't have the time for. Right. In a televised setting. Uh, Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs, they have to be uh, do a big, man, big meaty men slapping meat match. <laughs> To where everyone chanted meat. They did. And and what was the what was the full chant? There were a couple different ones. Uh meat is awesome. Yep. Uh beat that meat. Yeah, beat that meat. That was What's the one. The... Yep. So yeah, I was thinking that too the other day when I realized that Powerhouse Hobbs was on TV. Yeah. I was like, oh, I haven't seen him in a minute. Right. You know, so like that it's it's a good thing that they were able to have both. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are whining about it being in CM Punk's hometown and not getting to see CM Punk, and it's probably why they bought the tickets. I have but... I have to uh, I have to respect Tony Khan going out on the stage at the Saturday show after the tweet had gone out. Yep, and basically giving the exact same uh, statement that he gave, you know, in the in the pre-recorded thing before Collision, and just. Letting the crowd boo the shit out of him. Yep. Like, I know you guys are going to be pissed about this, but this is business. This is the way I had to do it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if CM Punk can join uh, Bobby Fish in the Impact Zone. <laughs> they're just going to be standing there, both twitching eyes at each other and yelling about things that they're mad about. Yeah. Right. I know uh, everybody is already saying that there's already been interest of bringing him back to WWE to make a, a statement slash money situation. And right. I really hope Triple H isn't that stupid. <laughs> Just let him come in and shoot his mouth off and then be like, all right, we'll see you later. Yep. At the bricks. Pretty much. Uh, this weekend was kind of a sad weekend as well as we learned that the uh, former Smash Mouth singer Steve Harwell, uh, I think it was on Thursday or Friday, the news broke that he was in hospice. Yep. 
Uh, and then as of Monday, he had passed away at the age of 56. I feel like it was even on Sunday, to be honest with you. I feel like we were talking about it the day before in, oh, yeah. in her concert group chat. And then like, then he was just like dead the next day. And we're yeah. like, the fuck, man? That yeah. was vast. It's rough. I can't remember what they'd said he uh, he was suffering from. I think I think it was like a kidney or something. Yeah, he had something to do with his kidneys, which I, I can't remember. Yeah, his alcohol abuse, the his liver failure. Oh, liver failure. That's which didn't you see them before? And they were he was drunk. No, that was ever clear. Oh, okay. I had to think about that for a second, but yeah, um, there has been some. I feel like I had either heard or something that he had been going through some alcohol abuse issues before and everything so when i heard it was his liver i was kind of like makes sense well i mean for for uh, 15 minutes there in the 90s like they were the biggest band in the world Mm -hmm. between all-star and walking on the sun and those two albums yeah they were a huge deal get enough of you baby all of the placements in movies especially shrek yeah the the version of island believer Mm -hmm. well and and all-star was in the beginning so it was like everybody kind of knew what they were. I mean, there were tons of movies that I watched. I know even like uh, the movie Maid of Honor with Patrick Dempsey started with a Smash Mouth song. Like, Really? Yeah, there's so many different movies that license their music. So, But they were they were kind of like that that band at the same time that nobody took them all that seriously either. So oh, they, f- they felt safe. Yeah. They, they, they uh, didn't, f- didn't feel like, uh, like they, that's why, probably why they got all those movie placements. Is yeah. They felt like a safe, but popular and fun. Well, yeah, it was stuff that you could hear that like, it wouldn't be offensive to parents with small children and everything else. Like at least the songs that were licensed. It was really cute at the end of the movie Rat Race. It ends with everybody at a Smash Mouth concert. Oh, does they, it? They all star. Ah, uh, that's Everybody cute. on stage. It was really, really kind of fun. But uh, yeah, thank you for the great memories, Steve, and, and the rest of the guys from Smash Mouth. I'm sure they've already had a new lead singer for quite a few years. I'm mm-hmm. sure they will continue to play uh, all the songs in his honor. Yep. The years keep coming and they don't stop coming. Ugh. And it's Terrible. Ouch. Terrible. <laughs> um, the last bit of news I had for the headlines is that as of the middle of the night last night, I saw that Nintendo's added four more games to the Switch Online library. Uh, this particular time, they chose three Japanese-only releases to put in the American uh, Switch Online store and a Game Boy Color game that was based on a Warner Brothers animation movie called Quest for Camelot. All right. Uh, Quest for Camelot looks like kind of a Legend of Zelda clone. They've got, uh, what was the other one here? Joy Mech Fight, which is a weird fighting game. Um, Kirby Star Stacker, which if you play Tetris Attack or Pokemon Puzzle League, it's just that mm-hmm. with the Kirby skin. And then um, for fans of the Technos uh, games back on the SNES, or on the NES, which were like, Super Dodgeball and River City Ransom. There were a whole slew of those things over in Japan. In fact, there's a collection you can get on the Switch of all those games. But they took one of them and put them in the uh, in the NES app, the Downtown Niketsu March Super Awesome Field Day. They're kind of fun. You can I, I think if you've watched me play uh, like Super Dodgeball or River City, um, you can see the obvious uh, influence it had on Scott Pilgrim. Like when you beat yeah. people up, they turn just a coin pops yeah. out and you pick it up kind of thing that's fun and they had really fun graphics but yeah if you've got nintendo online uh service you've got four new games to try out awesome so that's pretty cool do you have anything no i kind of didn't pull anything today just because i figured our interview was already long enough i didn't want to take up more time (laughs) sounds good to me 
We're going to come back in just a minute. We're going to dig in with our good friend, Erica Bannis, uh, a pistachio bowl owner, award-winning white woman. <laughs> she's got so many different uh, so many different names and titles, and, and she's still half tag team owner. Yes. Of, uh, uh, mankind with BMS. BMS. Yep. I am the other. From the old one falls. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get dig in with her about one of her favorite bands, U2, when the Really Big Fan Podcast comes back. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Chizuk, and uh, my co-host, Acronym, has moved to the void. The void so is that coffee. We could have our guest live in studio on the couch. And it is the return of Miss Erica Bennis. I, I kind of want to be in the void. The void has coffee. Right. I'm like, damn it. I didn't oh, I should have picked the void. Sewer Bucks has a void location. They and would. It's very good. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. Literally. Everywhere. So one of the reasons we made the podcast the way it is format-wise, it's a really big fan podcast, is because all the other podcasts that we've done together, Erica, yes. has been like so focused on like professional wrestling. Yes. Or, you know, even nerd radio was a little bit more broad, but it was always like, it's just this nerd stuff. This is fun because we get to talk to people about stuff like their favorite band. Yes. And that was something I wanted to bring up to you because I realized one of at least your favorite bands is a band that I have bounced off of a few times when I've tried to listen to them. So I'm interested in your journey with the band U2. Oh, okay. Are we ready? Are we ready for this shit? I think so. The shoes are off. The we're, shit. We've got full bellies. We're ready. I, I... The show's only about like 90 minutes top, so... Okay. All right. I'll, uh, I'll give the sort of abridged version. Okay. All right. So let's go back to age 14. And at this point in my life, like, there's a lot of backstory, so just very much humor me. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so at age 14, I had stopped, uh, dancing like for 10, from ages four to 14, I was, uh, I danced competitively it was basically my entire life. What kind of dancing? Um, like literally everything. Like, oh, okay. I, like, have you ever heard of the show Dance Moms? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like that is the most realistic reality show I have ever seen. Okay. Um, it And I, somehow, like, I remember that when I was still living at home, I got sucked into, like, a marathon on Lifetime. And then I'm in the living room, and then my mother passes by. And she's like, what the hell is this? I go, it's a show called Dance Moms. It's about dance competitions. I'm like, it's it's very real. <laughs> it's very real. You have more flashbacks. Oh, and then she sits down and gets sucked in. And then my dad walks in, and he's like, the hell are you watching? We're like, <laughs> it's Dance Moms. It's this whole entire reality show about dance competition. He goes, you guys lived this. Why are, why are you why watching are you, it? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, because we can't believe that none of this shit has changed. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the, so dance was very much a part of my life for, you know, a decade, right. you know, until 14. And then I decided like, okay, going into high school and I want to, I want to start trying some new shit. Um, but then um, came the crisis. I had basically an identity crisis and I kind of went through like this crazy depression uh, between like the summers between eighth and ninth grade that summer. OK. I didn't leave the house more than like four times. And I just kind of I was just like, what am I going to what am I going to do now? Yeah. What, what 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 who what what is this? Right. What am I? 
What do I, what, why, how? And that's when basically I just, I mean, I got really into TV. I got really into VH1. Okay. And I started going down like a rabbit hole of learning about like just music. Because it's like, always. Yeah, there was always music in the house. Was there a reason you gravitated at that age towards VH1 instead of MTV? I liked MTV as well. VH1, because I love the history and I love knowing shit, they had the behind the music. So they would play behind the music all the time. So, like, that was just kind of like, I'm like, that was my shit too. I loved it. Or Papa Video. Yeah. Papa Video was great. Like, there was so much, like, informational, historic television and like that's when I that's when I really started getting into music. Um, around that time too, um, I was I was raised in the Catholic Church, and uh, that was around the time when like a lot of the really bad shit was in the news. Yeah, and I had a really big problem with that. And there was also some um, familial things going on. I won't go into details just to protect. Well, yeah, I mean. I'm protecting dead people at this point. But it's like, oh, I don't know. Who's gonna see this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but basically, so, some people that I really loved and believed in turned out to be not who they were. Okay. So I'm going through like this whole disillusionment. Sure. And music then comes into the, the, the into play here. And I'm just starting to like, I knew all the bands that like I had like peripheral things about all these bands I was learning about. Like, I kind of, yeah, I had an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's when, like, the obsessions really started to come into play. So, this is when you 2 came into the fold. And the reason, the big reason why is a kind of an overarching theme to all their music is very much a, a searching, trying to find meaning. Sure. Um, there's a lot of religious undertones to their music as well. I was going through kind of like a Oh boy, I just don't know what to believe in anymore. Situation. Right. It was just. It was. It was just a very dark and confusing time, and it was the music that really kind of fed the soul. It spoke to you. It spoke to me, and like I was, I was moved by like Bono's story growing up. is fascinating. Well, actually, the entire band. The entire band grew up. I mean, in Dublin, in. The 60s and 70s, which obviously had, you know, just horrible violence and yeah. everything. Um, and uh, um, I think it was Bono's, Bono's mother was Protestant. His father was Catholic. And like that was pretty much unheard right. you know, in, in, in Ireland and just shocking. Um, so like he grew up kind of, you know, just kind of torn with the religion too. Didn't his mom die like right after his dad or something? Um, okay. This is dark. His mother died from a brain aneurysm that she had during the funeral for her father. Yes. That's what it was. Like, a really tragic, horrible, horrible situation. And when, you know, Bono has a brother and then his father was kind of a rubber on the edges guy. Um, and then, like, you know, his mother, Iris, was kind of like the lifeblood of the family and like when and and just really the, the heart and soul once that left that brightness left there was just a lot of pain and darkness there and that obviously got really channeled into U2's music um, as did you know all the things going around them and, and just you know you figure U2 that debut album in 1980 um, I think Bono was 20 so like they were 
kids. They were young kids really trying to figure it out themselves. So when I kind of heard their music for the first time, it really connected to me on on multiple levels of just that figuring out who I am. Sure. The religion of it all, the kind of the familial tensions, being let down by people who you believed in. And it was just like, okay, so I have this this salve on all these wounds now, and now I'm just kind of waiting to heal and figure this out. And then, you know, it was, it, it, it kind of started off with kind of like the greatest hits, and then I started getting deep into the catalog. Okay. And, and you know, I mean, their catalog is very vast and very diverse, um, but the Joshua Tree means the most to me. Um, the the big cliche that Bono has always. Do you remember when when you when you discovered you two what their current album was? Uh, okay, you figure I was fourteen, so this was right around all that you can't leave behind. So this okay. was like their sort of renaissance. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, kind of return to the fold because they had obviously had yeah the Joshua Tree in eighty seven, and then they became the biggest band in the world. Right, and then then they kind of had to, they all they the. The cliche was like we had to um, we had to go away and dream it all up again. Mm-hmm. That was the big line that Bono said. It was they were they had a concert in Dublin in '89, going into 1990. It was a New Year's Eve concert, and that's where you know they said you know, like yeah, this is this is gonna be it for a, a bit. Yeah, then right. we, we have to, we have to- which is interesting because around that time REM did a very similar thing. Right, they were like we need to we don't want to keep doing what we're doing. So we're going to try something new. Or or just the matter of fact that, like, it ran its course. Like, you figure, I mean, when you look back, like, historically with the Joshua Tree, like, huge. Like, they were a worldwide sensation. Like, it was, like, they, I mean, they had been around for a number of years and had a very strong following, but then just... But then this, they started this, hitting these these big songs that were on MTV every hour. This, kind of thing. And then just, they, uh, it, the Joshua Tree as a work is stunning it's 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 one of my favorite albums if not the biggest most influential album to me interesting because it's it kind of hits on all the core things of what i was going through growing up just the searching the longing trying to figure out what the fuck was going on with me so i'm interested at 14 years old you start watching vh1 over the summer yes you're like you're just zoned in you're just in watching vh1 and u2 is one of those bands that that you you attach to yeah do you remember what some of the other bands were that you were like i think i like this okay so this is where we take a left turn because this makes no this makes no fucking sense because i have u2 right okay and then the other big band in my life that really meant a lot acdc <laughs> Makes right. no goddamn sense. Yeah, those don't really go together as much. Yeah, yeah. like what are going to see Guns and Roses? Certainly one way to see both of those bands on the same bill. Mm-hmm. No, you were not. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, you two fed the the intellectual, yeah, um, just emptiness and just the the just the just the 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 need that I needed from from that and like the emotion. And then ACDC fed me, you know, the the primal the, shit. The cool-ass rock riffs. Yes. You need that balance. I, I kind of look at some things sometimes like that where you go, like, listening to headphone-only music versus 
what you listen to when you're energetic partying that sort of thing and there's certain albums to me that are like super calm or even certain bands like my spotify repeat is full of band of courses right now full of it for no goddamn reason other than i saw them i made their setlist playlist and then like every time i needed to just be calm i put them on that particular setlist playlist and i'm like this is great and like i feel like to a degree that happens with me at least where like there's certain music that it's like it does have to like attach and feed to the soul i'm very much like that with the band brand new and stuff like that but then you have like you have that other side where it's like i mean as stupid as this sounds like i i love limp biscuit i love i unfortunately love nickelback i do you know in its I, own way i don't i don't hate nickelback you know they're, and, and it's fine. like with that you get like this energetic like it's the same thing with like i got really into kickstart my heart at one point on Motley Crue and you're just like that's a great song you you need the balance of what but basically I'm trying to get at is like you need the calm and balance that feeds the soul but the other that energizes the the whole adrenaline rush of the body I think there are people that only have one mode there are people that are just like I just like this style of music and that's it and those people are sociopaths (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sure (laughs) I was gonna say I'm like and that's no, because when you're talking about it, I'm, of course, reminiscing to when I, you know, discovered music as a teenager, which is around the same age, around yeah. like 14, 15, obviously in a different time because our ages are different. Yes. But it's very much you get the, like you were saying, you get the band that kind of feeds your head and then you get the band that kind of feeds that soul of that, that, that like energy yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that young youthful vibe. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, that young youthful vibe of ACDC. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I a was... sense of like it's older music, but like at the same time, it's like ACDC's like like Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap and all of those things. Yeah. Those are like very like, yeah, I can, I can fight God with this music. Like that's literally, there's some, I have a playlist that's like music to fight God to <laughs> that is just supposed to be like energizing me. Fantastic playlist name. I, all my playlists are so goofy named. I, well, I mean, as they should be. I gave like, my friend one that said, I'm not your Tinder date, but I still care. Because she was sending music back. And should we make that a date? Should we make that a Patreon level? <laughs> people customize. I, I totally would make people customize. With it. amazing names. See, people think all the amazing names for the podcast come from me. And they're right. But it's not. I teach him. Household. household is good. Tell him it hurt my feelings that he didn't name the title of one of the episodes Vince Russo Brain Rot. <laughs> because I thought it was really funny. Yeah, there's like the obvious one and then there's the non-obvious. You always got to go for the non-obvious one. Not always, though. Sometimes. (laughs) We've had some good ones for the wrestling podcast. We did. Like, that's how Chuck just labels the podcast. That's great. In case you guys are wondering, for those of you that do watch our YouTube channel, we have two naming systems going on. Because we don't, we refuse to do the thing that the other one's doing. So mine is like person name plus topic so this is going to be eric cabanas plus youtube his is going to be some random line somewhere from the podcast that is going to be the title and and that's just how we do things here after like (laughs) two years of nerd radio i was like i don't know if anyone's paying attention to what we're doing so i'm just going to start naming these like albums (laughs) and see what happens I mean, it's or or name them like a band from the early two thousands. One of my, I, I've never heard a single song from, and you will know us by the Trail of the Dead. 
but I love that fucking name. I still think that um, Christopher Walken knows the truth would be a great band name, and he does know that we we had a running happened. we had a running list of band names for album titles. That was one of them. The other one was Dirty Feelings for Rick Rick Moranis. Dirty Dirty Feelings about. Rick yes, Moranis. yes, dirty feelings about Rick Moranis. I have known more ladies that have dirty feelings about Rick Moranis than I would have guessed I was going to meet. And we're going back to you too. Yeah, heart yeah. switch. That's for the the Patreon only show with Justin, where we talk about kinky things. Yeah, the After Dark. <laughs> Do you want to be on After Dark? We can talk about kinky. Things. This has oh. been. It, that has been the funny joke, yeah. by the way, is that like Justin keeps going, let's do a kinky podcast. I mean, he's just like, son, would. son, calm down. <laughs> Child, calm down. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so, you too. Right. <laughs> you too. So, I, I think I'd ask, uh, you said ACDC and you too. Yes. Were a couple of the bands where it was, was it basically just like the, these two sides of the coin or were Because I feel like with the Catholicism, and and everything that you were like one breath away from becoming a big Sinead O'Connor fan. Um, well, I mean, like I do. I've always appreciated her. I've I've always found her very intimidating. Yeah, and and just um, she's uh, aggressive is not the right word, but confrontational. Yeah, and uh, but like it was one of those things where like I had a deep respect for her. Right? Did I necessarily like all of her music? No. Yeah. Um, but like she did have this one album, like in. Uh, the early 2000s and the lead single was called No Man's Woman mm-hmm. and like I remember the video was on VH1 <laughs> and it starts off well it it starts off she's in a church she's in a wedding dress and she has this long brown hair and I remember seeing it for the first time and going ew no <laughs> no that's no that's uh, not the woman I know yeah so eventually though in, in later in the video like she runs out of the the, the church and then all of a sudden the way it was a wave. It was a wave. And I go, yeah. oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You thought she'd gone away to record a new album and actually grew her hair out. I would, I would have been like, I t- oh, who, who are who are you? <laughs> like me getting upset about Ricochet wearing pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where are his legs? <laughs> so, so okay, anyway, you two. Um, yeah, I mean, they were, it's just, I think it was just for me, the right band at the right time. For sure. And the fact that when you get into a band and they already have a, a lengthy catalog, that's always tasty. Mm-hmm. Because then you like, you have to think there's so much. Yeah. There's so much to learn. There's so much to, to just dissect and overanalyze, um, which I love to do. That's, uh, that's fascinating. <laughs> that is your job. That is, that is what I do. And, like, <laughs> in essence, like around that time too, I was watching all these programs on, on the VH1 and like MTV to a lesser extent, but yeah. VH1 had the, the music history that, you know, mama likes. And like, that's when I started, like I was writing my own lists. I had, yeah. I used to have notebooks yeah. of just lists of things or like, like old school notes where I wasn't paying attention during a lecture and I was just coming up with like my dream set list for a band, yeah. you know? So like, like I, in when the job I have now, like there was a point where I, I remember my mom saying like, Hey, don't you think it's funny that you did all those lists as a kid and that's basically just your job now? <laughs> and I am like, you know, I never thought about it that way, but mm-hmm. holy shit. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> and not a lot of people get to like do the thing that they did it as a kid. Oh, yeah. I thought they were good at. Well, and that's what's silly about us being friends. 
too, because like I was kind of like that in my own way. I have um, photos or scans of my notebook where I took a picture of the band playing on stage at Warp Tour. It was Fall Out Boy. And I wrote the review. I wrote the songs they played. And there's two other bands that are in there, too. It's like a Treyu and May or something like that. But they're just like point and shoot film shots of the stage. And like I was doing that at like 16 years old. Yeah. So like you have that. You I know that Almost Famous is really important to you. As well. Oh, yeah. And so it's like it's so weird that as like people that went into music with the journalistic backgrounds like this is how we get exposed to it you get by the bug and then it's just in your system for the rest of your life you can't shake it but also at the same time like as we're as we're talking about your your journey beginning and and getting introduced to music through like music television i think all three of us probably have a very similar story about like for me it was uh the, I think 1990 or 1991, like discovering MTV somewhere between middle school and high school. And yeah. just like, I don't want to go outside. I want to see what's on MTV today. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and trust me, I, man, I, I, we've done like, let's all get in the car. Let's go to my parents' house. Let's find <laughs> my freshman high school picture because yeah. I was pale. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, once again, I, I mean, I went, I basically went through kind of like a, a mini existential crisis at 14 as you do yeah sure. and and I, I just didn't leave the house i didn't leave the house because i'm like i just i don't i can't yeah. i can't do this i have to stay in here because i don't i just don't know you don't want to be out there i don't you figured out what's going on i don't know what is going to greet me out there because i don't know what's up in here right. still i have to have a better idea of this before i go out and do that mm-hmm. um so as you've as you've gotten older, yes, you two has maintained oh, as one of your favorite bands. Absolutely. What do you think about them? Have through through their own ups and downs as a band. What about them has consistently connected with you as you've gotten older? Well, you know, you figured like Joshua Tree, so they were eighties, so like they were in their like late twenties then. So since I'm kind of you know an old soul like I kind of I kind of grew with them as they kind of released stuff and then you know you figure too you know so I got into them like in the 2000s you know I got into that you know the their back catalog but then they had All That You Can't Leave Behind yep. which was a major hit album um, that's and, with Beautiful Day on it? Yes and that was also it was also a big album um Due to, I mean, there was a lot of parallels with 9/11, mm-hmm. and you know, it, I don't want to be like, I don't mean to bring up 9/11, <laughs> but somebody does every single. I episode. can't help it. Yeah. I guess it's you this yes. time. Yeah, wait until we talk about my chemical romance. They only exist because of 9/11. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, there you go. And I, I think it's just, you know, it was, it was a very unique band that just it it hit me at the right time. I was able to kind of grow with them and it's weird that it, like I've grown with them and it's like okay Bono's what well coincidentally enough Bono's birthday May 10th 1960 uh, my wedding anniversary is is May 10th and you did that on purpose I did not do it on purpose <laughs> I it was after the fact because like w- w- our whole wedding it was a big to do and uh, not not you know 
we went to Vegas and it was it, it was kind of thrown together. And then Eric proposed, and, no, you, no, were, and was, you said, "Look, another man has my heart, but it's Bono. You can have my body as long as we get married on his birthday." <laughs> well, actually, there was no proposal. You've never heard the story. Well, that's I, bit okay. Oh, well, I got to tell you that, but later because right, it's, a, it's right. a it's a dynamite story. Um, but it, it I don't know. It was I think everyone has that band where you find it when you're truly at your kind of like growing pains lowest sure and it just it's the right fit and like i was i was dealing with like just a lot of shit just identity stuff doing a lot of weird stuff with religion i had a lot of stuff going on with just you know there were certain family members who just i thought they were someone else and they turned out not to be and it yeah. really broke my heart especially when you put somebody on a pedestal as you're growing up exactly and you find out that they're not who you thought yeah and it just i mean it i mean that that'll wreck you in it, itself. it absolutely wrecked me and it, like i mean there are times where like it kind of it catches up with me still and yeah it's been, it has been decades since this person has died well it's it's very um the first time it happens when you're you know in your teens or or when you're a child is probably the most devastating mm-hmm. yeah and at the same time it's something that you know will occur throughout your lifetime yeah and yeah. it's it's always it always hurts oh yeah but you always will remember especially like i said when you're a young person and you don't understand how the entire world works yet and you think this person is the best person in the entire world and you find out no they're just a person and they've got problems and and you know issues and they're they're dealing with as well. Yeah, there. I mean that really sounds like it fits with like because I I had to double check because I come from the iPod generation, so I'm completely fucked in knowing what is on what album. Um, I looked at the Joshua Tree list and like I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Is my favorite U2 song out of everything, and that is on Joshua Tree. And I feel like everything that you've talked about with every like emotion that you were having fits so well with that and where the streets have no name sure there's i mean there's that album like well there's other songs that you know resonated later on in life like there's a there's a song called running to stand still um which is you know ireland in the 80s it had a severe drug problem uh heroin and and whatnot and um that's what that song is about and you know obviously you guys know that you know my brother had a problem with drugs he's sad he's sadly no longer with us by the way the person i was talking about who i you know held on a pedestal not my brother different family member yeah so but so so (laughs) so imagine like oh geez we know she has issues around her brother because you know he's dead right and it's not ideal yeah Uh, but no there's a whole other bag of shit that really kind of messed with me um but like hearing that song live I've only heard it once. Uh, you two went on the road for the 30th anniversary of the Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. And it was like they announced the tour. And of course, there was no dates in Detroit. Uh, closest date they had was Cleveland. So I'm like, well, Cleveland's close. Yeah. Cleveland's close. Cleveland's drivable. Yeah. yeah yep. I've, I've done that before. Um, and I I basically told Eric, my husband, uh, I'm like, hey, so they're going on tour. They're playing Joshua Tree in its entirety. You know what this album means to me. I will buy the tickets. I will buy lodging. All you have to do is get in the fucking car <laughs> and just sit there. And drive us. Yeah, well, no, no. I drove. Oh, I, I, I literally said, I'm like, you just sit in the just thing. Go with me, damn it. Sit yep. in there so I don't have to do this alone. Yep. 
because it's going to be a very emotional night. Yeah. yeah, you're going to cry like a motherfucker. You know, and it's it's funny. I say this mildly in jest, but only three times yeah. during the entire show. That was going to be one of my questions is how many times have you seen them live? I've only seen them live twice. Okay. But keep in mind, like, all right. So this is going to shock you. Not a lot of people my age like you, too. <laughs> so trying to find someone to go to a concert with. And plus, sure. not that, you, too. Those tickets. Not exactly cheap. Yeah, no, well, they're not. So it's, you know, it's a sticky situation. Once uh, Octune Baby exploded, like, you are never going to see you two tickets under $50 ever. I mean, yeah. you might have after the pop tour. Yeah, but... Well, they have had their ups and downs for sure, but it's the kind of thing that, like, even with the downs, it's like, no, we're still charging $100 a ticket. I wanted still... to ask about the lemon. Did you see... Have you ever seen footage of them oh, getting oh, stuck in the lemon? Yes, the mirror ball and yes. the lemon. Yes, yes. Of, course, so I, of course I know the mirror ball lemon. I, I just didn't know if you had seen footage of it before. Oh, I haven't, but hearing about it made me laugh. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's their it's their big spinal tap moment. And, it like, it... And, and by the way, in defense of pop, Pop is a great album. Pop is a fantastic album. There are some beautiful songs on that album, and it doesn't get enough credit that it deserves because it's sandwiched between Octum Baby and All That You Can't Leave Behind. That's the wild thing is that for me, I think Pop was the album where, like, I I saw the Mysterious Ways video. I, you know, I was starting to discover music when Octune Baby hits. Mm. So I'm like, I kind of know who U2 is, but Pop is the album where I was like, oh, it's U2. Right. And they were a completely different U2 than the U2 that had come before. Right. The same way I was mentioning R.E.M. kind of completely changed who they were after about six or seven albums of the one thing. They're like, well, let's let's put a mandolin in it and try something new. And then every album for the next decade is something new. Yeah. See, and the exposure I got was starting from All That You Can't Leave Behind. And then I had yeah. to backtrack because of the age that I was at. Right. At that point, because you're only a little bit older than me. Just a touch, but, you know, like, I'm an, I'm... You know, you and I, despite being close in age, uh-huh. have significantly different music tastes. Exactly. And that's so, the weird part. Yeah. And so it's like between that and like I remember them releasing How to Assemble an Atomic Bomb because I, despite what other people thought, I thought Pertigo was a fucking banger. I think that song is great. It's a fun rock song. Yeah. It's exactly. Fun. It's, not, it, it's not the song that they're going to be known for for the rest of their life, but I think it's fun. It's a great song, yeah. And so, like, those are the ones that I remember seeing, like, seeing the album covers, seeing their music videos for them. Definitely Beautiful Day was on one of those Now CDs. Oh, I yeah. Oh, I, I heard that. That song was inescapable. Oh, yes. Uh, so, you know, there is, it's weird that, like, we all have different entry points yeah. right. to it. But like I, I was saying, it's a band that has never like I've never really connected with and I think part of it is that you your connection is very emotional with them oh yeah I've listened to it as a musician uh I would listen to the band and up until recently I would be like oh Edge just plays a D chord just a jangly D chord all the time and it's nothing but pedals he's like a goddamn scientist and I, that's what I find so fascinating about him and well have you ever seen the um the documentary it might get loud I think so. Yeah. Okay. But it's um, it's 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 the edge. It's Jimmy Page I and Jack White. Uh, yeah, I saw a video of it, and it was adorable. <laughs> it's every time one of them was playing guitar, the other two, no matter who they were, were watching their hands like children, Aww. smiling. Jimmy Page is playing some Zeppelin, and the two of them are like. <sighs> and then, like five minutes later, Jack White's playing Ball and a Biscuit, and Jimmy fucking Page is going. 
it's it's so it's like, adorable. It, yeah. it that like if you've never seen uh, Mike It Loud, I highly recommend it to anyone because and especially like it's it's definitely like a music lovers documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're not a big fan of The Edge or Jimmy Page or Jack White, which I mean, my condolences. Uh, yeah, I'm like, you don't like either of them? You don't have the best taste in the world. I'm sorry about that. Uh, that's fine. I mean, you can't, like, pick one, one of those and yeah. be like, yes. Yeah, like, you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. Like, you don't like one? Right. I think what won me over with the with the Edge was he played guitar on a Nelly song. Oh, and my God. Song I about one. Yeah, And it's just Nelly and the Edge in the video. That's Edge is just fucking shredding. And I was just like, I love him. I love that video, the, the song that he sings in monotone, and the video where he's oh. staring into the camera. Oh, Numb? <laughs> Numb is great. That was a great fucking video. Great song. Well, that, it's a good good song, too. It's a good song, and what's so funny, that's off of Zuropa. Zuropa came up a- after um, Act that's on the, Baby. I, I I need to recant my previous statement. Zuropa was the album where I was like, oh, I know who U2 is now. It's just, yeah, okay. Nice. I was going to say, because pop is more like... Disco pop, yeah, yes. pop is like the next step after Zuropa. Yeah, I feel like a lot of of pop songs today, if they were re released, would hit with like a younger generation because they they really Ooh, EDM based. Oh yeah. yeah, well, like listen to a song, um, especially when you get that mid to late nineties stuff where yeah. it's like trying to figure out okay, techno is going to be the new. Yeah, you have like Crystal Method. How can I? Product. How can I put some of that in what I do? Yeah, listen to Mofo. Yeah, track three on pop. That's a yeah. I uh, just recently heard that song. That's a good song. Did you look it up because of the podcast? I did. Yeah. yeah. So there's an episode of that podcast that I sent you the clip of. Yes. Where he talks about you two and the song that he picked for like the highlight song was one. But he goes through some of these stories, and that's why I had to ask if you had seen the pop footage because he goes through this whole thing about Spinal Tap in yeah. the front of it. And then talks about them having that spinal tap moment. I'm like, oh, that is hilarious. Well, it's 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 funny because I mean, they you know, for a significant part of their career up until that point, like they were just this very serious rock and roll, right? Yeah. And then they kind of said, like, you know what? That's that's the '90s. Let's try and have some fun. Right. Uh, and then and then they did, and then they went a little like they didn't have too much fun, but like <laughs> pop was. I mean. The whole tour behind it was definitely very bloated, let's be honest. But I still, once again, I still defend, there's some very good songs on that. That's something I wanted to ask you about, too, especially when it's a band that you've loved for decades. There has to be low points. And I'm curious what the low points, the the low points in your estimate. For example, uh, Amy uh, knows very well that I am a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. I own every album. I listen to just about every album. But there are absolutely low points where I'm like, I wasn't into what they were doing here. And it's mostly the non-guitar based thing. Yeah, I love when Billy rocks a, rocks a guitar mm-hmm. and the, the farther away from the guitar he gets, uh, I, hey, you know what? Write the music you want to write. Same thing with Radiohead. Once Radiohead kind of moved away from traditional instruments, I'm like, this isn't what I'm here for, but I applaud that you are at the point in your career where you can do what you want to do. And we're really different in that sense because like, melancholy and infant sadness is like my favorite one and that's like harps and piano and yeah that's things the, like that that's the first steps towards we're not going to just be a band with guitar exactly and now granted i really love songs like zero but bullet with butterfly wings some of the harder stuff are like 
even Ava Adore and I, like, I love that stuff as well. But like when it comes to Radiohead, we are really not on the page. Right. <laughs> because I love In Rainbows. I love Kid A, Amnesiac, all that stuff. And the minute it goes electronic, he's done. Yeah. I'm into the three Radiohead <laughs> albums. And then like the other stuff's fine. There's stuff in there that I do like very much. But I like the demos I heard where they played it on the guitar. Yeah. So like even with you too, like I, I remember you two being like face forward as such a serious band, mm-hmm. like a serious like that's that's you're going to those guys are going to be the ones years from now where it's like you hear them on like an oldie station or something like that. They'll they'll gravitate toward that and they'll be like, oh, yeah, those were the true rock stars versus, you know, MGK doing pop punk. You're not going to get that. You know, right. so like it's it's very different, and there's a certain legacy behind them. Yeah. I feel like. Oh yeah, and well, I mean they they were they were a band that were definitely critical darlings as much as they yeah you know, they had a very strong fan following from the jump, and then obviously everything exploded with Joshua Tree. Uh, but to revisit your like there there yeah I mean yeah there are times where I'm like yeah okay this, yeah this this one is this isn't this isn't hitting me yeah gents. But like, the one that they put on everybody's iPod, you know, because <laughs> I didn't like that one. <laughs> Let's put a pin in that for for starters. Um, their second album, October, is fine. And despite what I've said about the whole religion thing, um, it wasn't an album that got a little too Christy for my liking. Okay. Like, look, we can we can we can skirt the issue of religion. We can kind of dabble, but like once it gets a little little too in your face, heady, I'm like, nope, too much. <laughs> too much ejector seat out um october has never really been um a, a big favorite of mine uh no line hum- on the horizon i do not think is um i mean there are some good songs on the album but it just it did it did not move me um the infamous songs of innocence which was on everyone's iphone ipod and whatever <laughs> for starters, Bono apologized for that. I know Bono apologized for it in his book. I know. Um, but <laughs> I still contend, I just want to, and I know I said this to you in passing before, <laughs> but I want to say it publicly on the record. If it wasn't you two, if Beyonce would have done this, people would have thought it was fucking brilliant. Exactly. But look, even I know, as a massive U2 fan, it is very easy to hate Bono. Yes. Bono knows it's very easy to hate Bono. <laughs> the Edge is like, yeah, there are moments when he is awful. And, <laughs> and then, oh, there's a meme going around. Speaking of Bono, I guess it, I'd have to look. I think it Stereo Gum shared it. But like Noel Gallagher was in yes, the South of France. Yeah, and Bruce Springsteen says like, hey, let's take a selfie. Let's ruin Bono's day. Because <laughs> Bono has major FOMO. Bono has major FOMO. Yeah. And like, he was just like, 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 just like, I want to hang out. For those of you that don't know, FOMO stands for fear of missing out. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for that footnote. Yes. Yes. It says, I won't say I was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, but I've definitely got the utmost respect for him. Fun. He was great, just like a kid into music. We sat at this table and we'd had a few bottles of wine. And there's food everywhere. And we took a selfie with each other. And he said, should we ruin Bono's day? And we sent him the selfie. And of course, Bono, you might not know this, has got crippling fear of missing out. 
And his wife called me and said, when you sent him that photograph, he couldn't handle the fact you two were in Spain having the time of your life and he wasn't there. Then Bono was asking, what are you talking about? And I said, we were fucking slagging you off. <laughs> I should have done that in a British accent for Noel Gallagher, but... You are a BK Richards. Yeah. Music, music. <laughs> Brilliant. No, it, it's so great. I, I remember specifically when they put out the Across the Universe movie for the Beatles. It was mm. the the Jim Sturgis, yeah. Rachel, Rachel Evan Wood and whatever. And Bono does I Am the Walrus. Great cover. Fucking amazing cover. And I remember talking to my friends and they're like, but it's Bono. And I'm like, dude, it's so good. What are you talking about? Dude, that's interesting because I've uh, since we knew we were going to have this discussion and we've listened to that podcast. Mm-hmm. We're not plugging, I guess. Uh, it's it's called sixty songs that explain the nineties. You mentioned it. Hundred and twenty nine. You dance around it early. No, 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 I didn't mean to. I was <laughs> asking. I, I was just asking. But I've gone sixty songs that explain the nineties. But there's hundred and twenty. Don't get involved. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Havella. Um, I'm channeling him. He's not dead, but I'm channeling. Him. But I started going through their discography, and the first thing I do when I try a new uh, try a band out is if there's a cover of something I know, I want to hear it. Right. And I haven't liked a single cover. Really? Interesting. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, I went through Rattle and Hum and listened to a cut co- like the Helter Skelter cover. I was like, you don't, nope. Really? Nope. You didn't? I, I see. I think it's a, it, I mean, that's a live track. That's a live cover. Oh, for I sure. I think it's a solid live cover. Um, I'm trying to think of But there's a, there were like, there were like three or four of them I've tried from different albums and I'm like, no, no, I don't like this. Something you brought up, though, that you felt like U2 is a bass driven band. Yes. Because so that, that, yeah. So, so, now that now that I'm older and that I'm approaching them more from a like I said from a musician stand uh, standpoint, I'm listening more and I'm trying to figure out how how does this work and now because I you listen to the you listen to a U two song and you're like well it's kind of like listening to Led Zeppelin I was like well the, who's the other guitarist there's another guitarist no Edge just does a rhythm track and a lead track okay well then how do you do it live and then you listen to the live stuff and like you said he's a wizard he has a billion pedals. <laughs> And he's probably one of the people who were a first adopter in the 80s of uh, looping technology so that I can play one thing and hit the pedal and it will record it and then loop it for the rest of the song so I can play over it. Yeah. And and it seems like he does a lot of that. But listening to even some of my favorite uh, U2 songs and then trying to dissect them, I'm like, wow, the bass is really a big part of this song. Wow, the bass is a really big part of this song. Their their rhythm section does not get the love that Edge and Bono get, yeah, well, they, and they should. They they should. Adam and Larry. Um, th- I mean, they just uh, yeah. I think they kind of just you know like a, like a like a typical rhythm section. Like yeah, yeah. We're just gonna hang out in the back, right? Yeah, we're just gonna do our thing. You two cunts just go over there. You go there. You go be the front man. Yeah, yeah we're we're just gonna do our thing. Yeah, we're gonna. Now Larry's not in the band anymore, correct? Uh, no, Larry is still in the band. He um. He had to get um, like rotator cup surgery. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, sucks for a drummer. Decades of drumming have taken its toll for sure. Um, I think yeah, they committed to doing this new Vegas residency in the new like that Sphere venue. Yeah, which if you looked at any behind the scenes footage, like they did a, a walkthrough. It was Bono and the Edge doing a walkthrough with um, Zane Lowe. And like this venue, it looks insane. Yeah, like it just like the techno, like it's it's fascinating. Now I, I need to go to something. I 
Like, when they announced the thing, uh, you know, my boss is also a major U2 fan. And I'm like, hey, man, how are we going to con the company into sending us to the (laughs) shit? And he's like, I don't don't, don't think they're that stupid. I'm like, oh, come on. (laughs) We can at least try. The worst they could say is no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's just, oh, I I would kill to see him in that venue. Because, I mean, like, I never... I never got a chance to see Acton Baby live, and this sure. would basically be like the second coming of Acton Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I got to kind of experience the Joshua Tree tour when they did the anniversary tour. But I mean, it would have, I mean, looking, it's so funny looking back on Zoo TV, mm-hmm. and like at the time it was like state of the art. And then you look at it now, I'm like, oh, look how quaint this is. <laughs> this is adorable. Yes, they were ahead of the time at the time, but now you're like, nah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's still cool. So you said you've gotten to see them live twice. Twice. Have you gotten to see your favorite song or songs live? Yes. I, I like, pretty much every major song that would, like, reasonably be in a set list Usually was, was in the set list. But, you like, when you're a huge fan of a, a band's catalog, there's always, like, the deep cuts. So you're like, man, I'd really love to hear that. Yeah, they're not going to play Lady with the Spinning Head. Which one? <laughs> great electronic song. Oh my god, that's a great song. There's a song that like they they their B sides throughout like the early '90s are insane. Um, yeah, Lady with Spinning Head, uh, Salome. Um, oh, okay. So Bono went through a phase where like he was hanging out with Frank Sinatra because oh, you know, that's what yeah. you do. And this was like I think probably like '93, '94. And well, not what you do anymore. Yeah, what's the That's a little creepy. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but not he, for the goths. <laughs> he, he wrote a song for Frank Sinatra. Frank didn't get a chance to record it. It's called um, Two Shots of Happy, One Shot of Sad. And it's a very like crooning type mm-hmm. ballad. It, I love it. Um, and it, it, that's another song where I'm like, like when I hit kind of like my 20s and like things kind of were changing, I'm like, Okay, the song is hitting on a new level now. Yeah, yeah. get this. It um, is. It is wild when music you've listened to for a decade or more, like suddenly makes, suddenly has a new meaning. Well, the um, when we went to see the Hell Omega tour and they had Fallout Boy, they did save rock and roll mm-hmm. with the Elton John backtrack because he's obviously not in Detroit for this. Right. But like that was a song I never thought I'd hear live in a million years because of that. And they came out, or Patrick is playing a flaming piano. Yeah. They had like a fire bar on top of the piano, so it looked like it was on fire. And so it's like when those deep cuts do pop up in a set, it's like it means everything. Yeah. I'm like, I got fucking tingles. Oh, yeah. My frisian. The first time I saw him live was on the Vertigo tour. I went with one of my cousins and his friends. And like they, they would switch up the set list like the, yeah there's the songs that they did they you knew they were gonna play yeah, yeah but like there would always be a few surprises in every set list and one of my favorite songs is um who's gonna ride your wild horses that's off of the baby that's another great one and i didn't know what was going on but like you know they're they're playing the like they're playing something i'm like and then all of a sudden uh uh the the first lyric is uh you're dangerous because you're honest and all of a sudden bono sings that and i i did you do your Honestly, <laughs> like a noise, le- like left my body yeah. that I had no control over, and the people in nearby started to stare. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah! 
<laughs> like, it was just, I was so happy. I like, cause they, they, I don't like think, I don't think they had played it on the tour at that point. Cause like, you know, yeah, as you're nerds, you get it. You go through the set list. Yeah. You see like, well, okay, what can I expect? Mm-hmm. And you see like, okay, they're shaking it up and like here, here and there. And I'm like, oh, they've never, they haven't played it on the, on the tour yet. And then I'm like, oh, sure. It'd be fucking cool if they did. And then, then they did. And then they did. And then they did. And I'm like, yes. It was, oh. All right, so we need to wrap things up, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. But what I wanted to do is is uh, you obviously being a huge U2 fan and then the two of us, you know, we, we think U2's all right. Uh, I'd like to kind of... Well, amongst, They're fine. Amongst it goes, you're, you're the fan, I am the middle, and he's... And I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, but among the three of us, I'd like to kind of go around the room and, and have each of us pick your top three U2 songs so that if anybody oh, God. listening to this conversation is inspired to pull up a streaming service of some sort that they can go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go and check it out. Uh, I'll, I'll go first because yes. you guys are, are panicking. Uh, I, 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 I really wish you would have told me this. <laughs> she would have mentally prepared. I, then you wouldn't be from the hip going like, what's my favorite three songs? Oh, yeah. but, but, this so is... what do you got, Chuck? Yeah. Uh, let, one obviously is probably their biggest song to date but i tell you what every time i hear it uh it it crushes me mm-hmm. um and and it's one of the it's one of the songs that like yeah johnny cash owns hurt now yeah uh and he did a fantastic version of one mm-hmm. but there's really something special about u2's original version of one mary j blige does her i listened to one hey. too and it I was like, this is fine. Yeah. But there is something to Oh yeah. That I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's good. Well they 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 duetted together. Like like and I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. I Uh, thought she got some shit for it, but like she sang the hell of it. She looked at the great. Oh, these goddamn honkies. Would you have other ones? I do. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got three. Um, okay. I really like uh, off. I think it, they're both. Uh, the uh, this one's off Octane Baby too, but I really like the Fly. Fly's great. Was like the one of the first singles, and it's 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 just got a groove to it. That's really good. And my favorite U two song of all time was from the Batman Forever soundtrack. Oh, great song! Hold me, kill me. Hold me, kiss kill me, kiss me, kill me. Yeah, yes. no, fantastic song. In fact, you heard me a couple of weeks ago. I just got my guitar. I, I, I'd been listening to it. And I was like, I think I can play that. I got my guitar out within like two passes. I figured it out. And I was I mean, like, this is great. It's uh, it's very Bo Diddley. So it's it's not terribly far removed from Desire, mm. uh, which isn't part of my top three, um, but it is a good song. Um, God, just only three. <laughs> What's your three, Chuck? That's my three. Yeah, was your third. Yeah, there's your third. Um, all right. So for me, like honestly, because I have a limited knowledge of some of this catalog because stupid singles generation where I was just down. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's, it's the ones you like. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Is probably my favorite favorite one. Mm-hmm. I, I always go back and forth between that and the streets have no name. Um, so those can be one and two, I guess. I remember they did. I still haven't found what I'm looking for on the Runaway Bride soundtrack. Interesting, just in the movie and okay. not on the soundtrack. Okay, but I that that movie I was obsessed with because I personally I am a Runaway Bride and not Pretty Woman. 
this is a new revelation in our friendship. Yeah. Wild, right? Yes. Like, I, but for some reason, I think it's because, you know, when you see something for the first time, you always attach to that first, right? Yeah. Pretty Woman was out of my sphere of things until I got older, but Runaway Bride was in my thing. That's where I got Hall and Oates. Uh, Anthony, because yeah. those were also on the soundtrack of like you sang to me, oh, they had the Dixie Chicks doing Ready to Run, uh, now the Chicks. Um, so that that honestly is like one of my favorite soundtracks, really odd soundtrack to like. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for is part of that. And I think that's why I attach to it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Where the Streets Have No Name has just always been an emotional song. I love the the musical, how it builds. The intro yeah. is just... And like, I sent you a video and you were like, can you not send me videos while you're driving? I'm driving down the freeway in Joshua Tree, two-lane highway, mountains in the distance, and you just see these trees and stuff, and I'm like, I think I'm having a religious experience, (laughs) because it just, that moment fits so well. It was the day that I had the convertible, and I was by myself, and I just was able to have this moment of, like, turning point, and I think that's why, like, when you started explaining the story, I'm like, okay, no, that makes perfect sense. Because in that moment, I was having the worst time of my life. <laughs> and I was like, I should have been having fun in California. I wasn't. And I'm just having this, like, what am I doing? Why am why am I even here right now? What am I doing? What is this about? And that song really speaks to it in the only sense. So having that moment was like, holy shit. And then I'm like, I send you this video and don't send me videos when you're driving. I love you, but don't. I know, it was beautiful, <laughs> but I'm just like, please just don't, don't do that again. Can you not? Yeah. And um, let's see. Um, I I would probably have to say like, I'm, I'm kind of stuck between like beautiful day elevation and vertigo. I didn't pick beautiful day because I figured somebody else would. Yeah, beautiful <laughs> day is, is honestly, it's great. But it also speaks to my age and my generation of of that being the big say, the big song that they, they had back. The, they used it for a video with Triple H tore his quad. Yeah, when he came back, they they put a whole video to the whole song. Yep, yep. And it was You're showing me that. I still see. I still watch it. You know, I'll pull it up on YouTube and watch it and get goosebumps and just be like, man, what a what a time that was. The reason I found Elevation to be cool though was because it was funny to a degree. They're, you're so used to Bono being so ballady and serious, and then you've got him go, and I'm like, fuck yeah. The <laughs> remix of the song that was on the Tomb Raider soundtrack, uh-huh. better than the album version, in my humble opinion. Okay, interesting. Uh, I need to listen to that. I've never heard it. Listen to it. It's, it's, a, it's a little edgier. Uh, it's it, how apropos, because the music video for it stars the edge and <laughs> and and it's the well um the edge is like kidnapped by someone evil like and th- but then like he's superimposed in the tomb raider movie and he's interacting with it. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking silly but it's great um so yeah highly recommend that um i'm gonna pick not my three favorite but just kind of three kind of like off the beaten path um the most recent one i would say is um the blackout that's off of songs of experience um it's just a really good rock song and i think you forget like you know when they want to rock they can do it really well (laughs) like they're very good at it um so that would be one the second one i would pick um is off of all that you can't leave behind it's called kite uh bono wrote that for his dad while he was sick and um 
he, he had cancer um and as he was losing his father and like that was a song i gravitated to when my grandfather was dying my dad's dad and that was like the first big death in, in my life and like it just you know there's the the chorus you know it just you know i you know i like it's like someone talking to someone who's sick yeah um, it just like you like you know um, i want you to know that you know wait i want you to know that you don't need me anymore like it's yeah. and it's it's yeah Whew. oh it was that on that's on all that you can't leave behind. Okay. Um, Kite um, is a good one, and then he's to a playlist right now. Um, <laughs> and then the third one, I'm torn on because I've already thrown out a big rocker. So as much you know it, no, I'm going to plot twist. Um, <laughs> I am going to go with uh, Dirty Day. Dirty Day is off of Zuropa. Um, I tend to like the remix of that one a little bit better, but I think the album cut is also good. Yeah. Um, but that's just um that's another one where it's like, Oh, it was it was a it was a it was a rough one today, wasn't it? And like it just <laughs> you know, you're you're like, you know, sometimes look, we've all gotten home after a rough day of work and just like oh, fucking And like yeah, that's like usually where you grab the bong. Yeah, I'm like, Oh, it was a dirty day. Oh boy. There's other songs I would pick too, um, and I'll stop talking because, or else we'll the, the episode will just be like, "All right, track five off of this album. This is my thoughts," and it would it's gonna snowball. So oh, what I'm, I'm going to do, and I'm gonna say this in the playlist or in the um, podcast here, yeah. is I will make a playlist of the songs that were mentioned here. Oh, I'll put it on the acronym Zine thing, and then I'll share it in our Patreon so you guys can pick up on this and see if you guys have any vibes with you two. Um, so I'll add the one, some of the ones that are actually mentioned in the episode, other than just these. But I'm gonna start with these. Last night on Earth, and 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 the Wanderer. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you can yeah. put some more in. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. No, no, I mentioned you have to put it on the playlist. Yes, now. yes, yes. <laughs> I I'll start with that. I'll start with the order that we went in, and then I'll backtrack through the entire episode and throw the other ones in there as well. Ooh, if so. you can end the playlist with the Wanderer, okay, perfect. Because actually, Johnny Cash sings that song. Oh, nice. oh it's good. Nice, nice. Okay, Erica, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this this week's episode. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Is there any place people can find you online that you you would appreciate, or do you want them to leave you the hell alone? You know. <laughs> As I mean, that that would be nice. Plug your writing I, portfolio. Uh, yeah, by word, like you can find um, a lot of my current writings at ericabanis.com. I'm available for work. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, there you go. And yeah, that's yeah, me.com. <laughs> that's it. All right. Google me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you've had your serotonin boost talking about you too. When we come back for the really big fan pod, we'll tell you what our serotonin boost is this week. Welcome back for uh, the the third and final act of our really big fan podcast. As always, it is Chizak and Acronym in the studio. And thank you once again to Erica for stopping by and telling us all about you, too. Yeah. I feel like I know a lot more now. And I think I like them a little bit more. A little bit more. Just a teeny bit. They certainly haven't moved into like one of my heavy rotation bands. But I think I, I think I, I've found a couple more songs. Yeah. I need to listen to some of their catalog when I'm driving because... Now I'm I'm completely caught up on sixty songs. Yeah. So now now I need to find something else to give me a serotonin boost. 
You can go back and listen to uh, you can go back and listen to the episodes again. Yeah, I could. Like you do with all your television shows. I thought about it, but I I feel like you know I, I should probably listen to something else first. I did that with um, the Get Played podcast that I listened to mm-hmm. because uh, Stitcher died uh, yeah. last week. So like over the last two or three weeks, I've kind of been having a, a wake for Stitcher by going back through their back catalog and listening to all my favorite episodes of it. Yep. Before they disappeared. Yeah, I, I've been doing that with Stranger Things because I know eventually it's going to be like, you're not in the same household as Kevin. Yeah. So I, I we, we do this thing where we share everything yeah. within our friend groups here. So like I, I pay for Spotify and certain people are on our family plan and somebody else pays for, we, we, we think we pay for Disney Plus. Yeah. And then we've got like everybody else exchanging stuff because we're commies. Because that's that's the way it should be. <laughs> but I know that Netflix will eventually want me to pay for it, and I won't pay for it until they bring back the next Stranger Things season. So that's fair. You know it happens. All right. Well, as we wrap up the show, uh, it's time, as always, for our serotonin boost. Uh, the uh, the segment of the show that neither one of us is ready for ever, ever. <laughs> Do you want to go first this week? I'll start. Um, yeah, I once again, it, it's one of those ones where I don't know if anybody else is going to be excited, but I'm excited. <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to shoot the Smashing Pumpkins tonight. That is fun. And I'm pretty jazzed about it because, yeah. you know, it, it's a big thing in our household. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of Smashing Pumpkins listening. Might be the fa- the band that we collectively are the biggest fans of yeah like as a as a unit like you've got bands that you're a huge fan of mm-hmm. so go ahead that i've got bands that i'm a huge fan of but bands that we connect with yes i think the smashing pumpkins may be the one yeah that's pretty much couple is our favorite band mm-hmm. yep i i can agree with that i know more about the smashing pumpkins than i would say like the pixies and things yeah. like that so and i even though i went through my weezer phase my weezer phase happened years before yours did so I'm not in the same Those page. Years after mine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, my words aren't working today. I, I was Mr. Blue Album and, and Pinkerton, and you were somewhere around like what? Ratitude? No, 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 no. It wasn't even that. I just liked. I didn't even like Ratitude. First of all, oh, don't in, don't insult me. <laughs> um, That's why. <laughs> no, I I actually I started with the Blue Album and Pinkerton and all of those, and basically like once they got to, uh. Beverly Hills I I just bounced and that's kind of where make believe was my cutoff point yeah like I ended up coming back for some of the singles being like oh there's some neat stuff on the red album yeah like I mean there's yes. there's gonna be a song or two that'll pop up I know there's one that's even um uh simple plan did with rivers yeah at one point that I really loved and um it's not that I don't love and appreciate Weezer still it's just not something that I'm like crazy like obsessed with that still is in daily rotation yeah like Smashing Pumpkins is another one of those bands, like I, how I mentioned earlier in the interview, like there's certain bands that are like the calming yes. the thing. And I think where we differ in our love of Smashing Pumpkins is which albums we like more. A little bit, yeah. But we have most of them on vinyl. And so those end up getting played quite a bit. And I think 
like that contributes to it. And I tried to shoot them last year and did not get approved. So I was really excited this year that I get to do it. I always play our Smashing Pumpkin vinyls because vinyls are so expensive. I feel like I need to get my money's worth. <laughs> yes, that too. We don't have a lot of them, but the ones that we have, it's like our, our basically our rule is A, does it sound good on a record player? And B, is it an album we like front to back for yep. reason? And if uh, one of us or both of us does, then it, it makes the case to get it. Right. It's it's like that. Like we've got, I think the most that's in that box is Smashing Pumpkins and brand new. Yeah, I think you're right. So <laughs> I, I, I'm only missing two brand new albums. Yeah. And uh, with um, Smashing Pumpkins, I think we're only missing one. No, we're missing a few. We're missing a few. We don't have a door. We don't have uh, Pally. I don't, yeah, melancholy I don't think they ever him. made um Machina on vinyl. Yeah. And we don't have, like, I've got the first new one, but we don't have the the other new, the new. new oh, well, yeah, we don't have Autumn. Yeah. Uh, no, because that wasn't one that we were really particularly crazy into. Like, you've tried. Oh, yeah, I've listened to it a bunch of times, and there's, like, four songs. <laughs> and I'm like, this song is good. And then the rest of it is like, eh, Billy's doing his thing, his experiment <laughs> thing. My goal is to eventually get melancholy. I don't need the full box set. I just want the like the one they just have at tracks and wax. Like yeah. that is fine. I just want the album. I'm good. I don't need. You're the you're the B side person, not I, me. Uh, so I do like my B side. <laughs> but as long as it stops raining, which it's pouring right now, right. I will get to shoot the Smashing Pumpkins. Well, I hope that you do, because I want to see a lot of pictures of Jimmy Chamberlain. Yes, <laughs> I, I was specifically requested to get pictures of Jimmy Chamberlain. So yes, I'm please. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have your adopted babies. Well, my serotonin boost this week is that as of last night, I have finally finished Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> I saw the end of the story. And uh, the post-game content, like there always is for, for modern games. But uh, uh, 13 is down, and now I think the only main Final Fantasies I have not played are 12, which I own a copy of now, and 16, which is on the PlayStation 5. So I'll get to that when I get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, uh... when that game hits PC, then I'll play it, because <laughs> PlayStation 5s are way too expensive. Yeah, we don't have fuck you money. No, that's I told you a couple of months ago when I was looking at PlayStation 5s and trying to be like, okay, if I got one, what would I play on it? Uh, like, don't even like as a, oh my God, I have a bunch of money. I'm going to get him a PlayStation 5 for like Christmas or his birthday. Like, don't. Yeah. Don't. It's like $600. I would feel guilty. <laughs> I would feel so guilty looking at a $600 machine. You were guilty about me getting you the capture card. That's true. And that really wasn't that expensive. But look how much use we've got out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to help donate to us getting expensive things, you can always go to <laughs> patreon.com backslash reallybigfanpod. That's where at the $5 tier you get not only ad-free versions of these shows. I keep saying they're ad-free versions, even though no ads are playing in our shows. But not only do you get ad-free sh- versions of this show, but you get our special bonus show, the uh, the Really Big Fan Pod double feature that me and Mike Pand offer going to be recording the next episode of this coming weekend uh we watched looper and back to the future so that's going to be the third episode we're basically introducing each other to some of our favorite movies and then making a top 10 list and uh we're up to this is the third episode i think yep third or fourth 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 so we'll be up to like seven and eight 
this time on them. So we're going to get dicey when you guys start actually fighting about what stays in the top 10. That's, yeah. The, see, that's the thing is that right now we can kind of like agree to disagree on some of this stuff. But once we have 10 movies and we have to figure out, does this bump one? That's what it's going to start. That's that's <laughs> what that part of the podcast is going to take the main bit, bit of the show. <laughs> it's going to be very amusing because you guys are both very set in your ways. Yeah. Exactly. I, I've had to do one tiebreaker so far yeah. already. So so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But you can get that podcast over at patreon.com backslash really big fan pod. You can also follow us as we uh, live stream the recordings of these shows. And I play some video games on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash really big fan pod. And that's where you can find us on social media, all the social media and keep up with us. Anything I missed? Nope. I think that's all. Oh, YouTube. Make sure you hit YouTube so that all your all your hard work is is so that you can see us do this well now um another thing that i think I, I did mention it last time i'm slowly going to be moving everything into just patreon and discontinuing the acronym is dot com slash really big fan pod page right. i think i'll just reroute that url to our patreon just so it's there but um with that in mind the videos are actually housed on youtube so those are also you can backtrack that way as well if you just click on it and want to go to our youtube channel you can see some of the other content that we've done for that it's mostly just been us playing games otherwise yeah which i'm not loading into the patreon so it's all good yeah so hopefully if you guys are that interested in seeing all the stuff that we do it is all there and uh i have been talking with some other people in the upcoming weeks to get some new guests on. Got some people that want to do one person agreed to do a Jay Dilla episode, which is going to be very interesting for me. Yeah, I've got no you got no frame of reference for that. It's a he's a hip hop. I'll go sit in the void. You're going to go sit in the void. <laughs> but we're going to we're going to do an episode on that. And there are quite a, a list of other people that have some contributes. So hopefully you'll get to meet some new friends soon and we'll rock it out. That's it. Show's over. <laughs> Go home! <laughs> Bye. Did I mess you up with the reconfiguration of tables today? It's very strange. I mean, it's convenient because now the laptop, my laptop is on the table with your laptop. Yes. But also it's very strange. I kept running into the other table with my knee. And after the third time I did it and scratched myself up, I was like, okay, I'm done. Did you chuck that off the balcony too? Like you did the couch? No. <laughs> that would have been fun. But thro throwing larger couches rather than small tables is really The way you said no was like, but I should have. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm kind of sad I didn't. I mean, I still need the table. The couch I didn't need. That's true. <laughs> the table still is The couch was just done, and I wanted to get what I was missing from going to Michigan State by throwing a By throwing a couch off a balcony. Yeah. <laughs> and so you did. Yeet. Ha, 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 ha.